Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome back to Elite Achievement. Kristen here, and I have a workplace expert on today's show to share with us how companies can go beyond the buzzword of diversity and inclusion to create collaborative, innovative, and welcoming workplaces. One of the topics to explore is the return to work. As many teams have spent a year or even longer working from home and working off-site, so much has changed and evolved in the workplace. Today's guest, Amy Jo Mathias, is the CEO of Pavo Navigation Consulting and Coaching. Amy Jo's company is a unique resource that helps other firms and companies eliminate toxicity from the workplace. She is often described as a spark plug and bring years of rich and varied professional experiences to all of her endeavors. Amy Jo is a scholar, a professor, a seasoned organizational leader, an executive, and a keen listener. Welcome, Amy Jo. Hi, it's so good to be here with you, Kristen, and your listeners. Thank you so much for joining us and helping guide us through this important conversation of creating companies and environments that are collaborative, innovative, and welcoming. So to get started, I'm curious, what motivated you to start Pavo Navigation Consulting and Coaching? That's a great question. Primarily because I have been in that varied, rich career that you just said that I had. (laughs) I've been working to try to, and I know this sounds a little bit corny, but to make the world a better place. And I've worked in government trying to do that, worked in international development toward that end, worked in religion toward that end, worked in higher academe toward that end. And through all those different areas, I experienced much of the same thing, which is a lot of toxicity, a lot of ugliness, a lot of pushing and shoving and constantly proving and people, you know, backstabbing and gossip and lack of communication and a lot of fear and a lot of threat. And I wanted to get rid of that. (laughs) And the workplace is where most of us end up spending most of our time and we give most of our energy to. And so I decided that the workplace is where I need to bring my wisdom, my juju, my magic. And so all of the tools in the toolbox that my coaches and I use to coach with and as we consult have been gleaned and honed in the fires of all of my years of experience, from my scholarship to my lived work and experience, I have come to this methodology that we use at Pablo Navigation. And what I have witnessed 
over the last three years of doing this work is that they work. <laughs> My tools that I give really are effective. They're actionable. They're directly impactful. And they equip us with the capacity to immediately begin to address what is unhealthy in our workplaces. And when you think about it, whatever it is that your company is producing, whatever your product is, whether it's a service or whether it's an app or whether it's an online platform, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, the energy that you build it in or that you produce it in, that goes out with the product. And so if we are working and creating in an environment that's unhealthy and toxic, then not only is that bad and harmful for the people that are in that environment, it also impacts the product that we send out. And that energy goes out into the world. And wouldn't we all rather have energy of creativity and collaboration and respect and dignity and mutuality reverberating in the world than toxic energy. You mentioned you've worked in a variety of different industries and you noticed that these toxic environments exist across many, many different industries. This is going to be a pretty broad question, but I'm curious, why are workplaces so toxic? Yeah. That's not a broad question at all. I think it's a really important one. <laughs> so I mentioned that we have a particular methodology at Hava Navigation. And I'm going to answer your question by explaining the foundational philosophical belief that informs that methodology. So it is my belief that the way the world works, the structures, the foundations of who we are as a world, like how we do things, right? How we do business, how we do education, to healthcare, to entertainment, to religion, to government, all of it has been shaped and formed through three primary energies. And those energies are fear, lack, and separation. Power navigation, we call them FLIS. The opposing energies to those, that is the antidote, our love, abundance, and unity, or what we call Lao. The reason that workplaces are so toxic is because humans are there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because humans are toxic. I do not believe that. I do not believe in any kind of doctrine, and there are plenty of them, that tell us that humans are born with a bent toward selfishness and negativity and greed. I believe that that's just a story, but it's a story that has informed us and has shaped the way we understand how to interact with each other. And that has come from fliss, fear, lack, and separation. And so we have learned how to behave in a flissy manner <laughs> because the driving energy of fear, lack, and separation is lack. You know the story of not enough? There's not enough in the world. There's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough resources. There's not enough of anything. And so if there's not enough, then we have been taught to do whatever we need to do to get 
what we need for us and, you know, for me and mine. And that leads to fear. And so we mistrust each other. We are territorial. We don't share information. We try to push other people down so that we can get ahead. The idea of climbing that corporate ladder, you know, we're kicking people off left and right just so that we can get another hand up. And all of that leads to separation. We don't see the humanity in the other. We see the other as a threat. So we build walls. We have stereotypes. We build systems that keep people out because there's not enough. So I need to make sure that only the right kind get in. That is why workplaces are pussy and toxic because we have been trained to behave that way. And all of us come to the workplaces with all of our own special stories. They're all flissy, but we all have unique ones that have assumptions and expectations and who's right, who's wrong, what is right, what is wrong, all of that. And we all bring all of those with us when we go to work. And so you can imagine just thinking about that, you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I can see how how workplaces then could be like a cacophony of all of those blissy stories that inform our behavior, by the way, blending together. And so that's why they're blissy and toxic and why using and learning tools from love, abundance, and unity, which is where I believe we are originally from, so that it's in us. The love, abundance, unity is already inside of us, I believe. We just have to remember it and learn how love, abundance, and unity show up and then action them. We have the capacity to transmute that toxicity from fliss to loud. Amy Jo, I think back to some of my experiences in corporate, and there were definitely times where I was operating from the fliss standpoint, especially as a woman with leadership aspirations in a male-dominated industry. I felt a lot of fear. I came from a a lot of lack. I didn't see a lot of women getting to where it, it was that I wanted to go. And I do think that starts to create some separation. It's almost like I had to put my armor on to go to battle to get to where it was that I wanted to go. So if any leaders are listening to this conversation right now, what are some ideas you have to promote abundance or promote unity to move away from a flissy culture to a Lao culture? Yeah, the way you describe your experience, I hear it all the time. I see it. I feel it. The battle, the need to protect yourself. So putting on the armor, the first step for all of us, whether you're an individual contributor or a people manager or a C-suite, the first step is the same for all of us. And that is to make a commitment to turn up your awareness and look for evidence of the bliss. Find the bliss. That's the first step. The beautiful thing about Listen Lao, and this is why I really believe 
powerfully in this construct is that it is without judgment that we identify the fear, lack of separation. We don't need to judge ourselves. We don't need to judge each other because we have all been raised in this stuff. We've been trained in it. We're good at it. We are really good flussers, every single one of us. So we can identify it and see it in our own actions and in the actions of others without judgment. And then the second step is to decide whether or not we want to keep feeding it. And if I do want to keep feeding it, well, okay, then at least we have clarity that I'm going to go ahead and feed this fear because I think that's going to make my team work harder. Or we can say, huh, this feels bad. I don't like how it feels. I'm going to make an intentional choice to shift away from the fear and the lack. And I'm going to ask, how do I proceed in this situation feeding abundance, making abundance bigger or unity, like you were saying? And then listening to your own, and this is especially important for women, listening to your own intuition because. Women, we got it. We were born with it. It's one of our most innate and powerful superpowers. And we're taught, this is part of the pussy thing, we're taught not to trust it, right? We're taught to ignore it. The truth is when we tune in to our inner knowing and we intentionally push pause on the noise all around us, the how you're supposed to do things noise and we listen to what we know is true inside of us we will always be pointed in the direction that feeds laugh because our internal intuition is loud based and so when we listen to ourselves the answer will rise up we ought to be not only not in judgment of ourselves and others but also be patient because these Lao muscles, they're weak. <laughs> we haven't exercised them very much. You know, we've been so busy, all of us learning the flip, that those muscles are dominant. And so we default to them. I default to them. I spend every day, every week, every year doing this stuff, practicing Lao, and I default to flip. It is a commitment to exercise the muscles of love, abundance, unity. And I will say, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's a little bit addicting because they work. And so when you get a response that is in love, abundance, unity, which always feels better, you're like, oh, I want to do this again. I need to keep doing this because it is a much healthier, joyful, way to live and it's not like a la la land kind of a thing because we still have challenges right we still have difficult conversations we still hear things that we don't really want to hear but if we do all of that from love abundance and unity it is a much different experience than doing that from fear lack and separation i know as i've started my own company the fliss 
follows you. So it's not like it just goes away if you leave a workplace. Uh, Some of those behaviors and thoughts and stories, they pop back up. And I know that I have had to work really hard with a morning routine and the visioning exercise and the practice of gratitude to build my own abundant thinking. And Amy, Joe, you mentioned something that really fascinates me. And I want to go a bit deeper on learning to lean into your own intuition. I know for myself, I had a calling on my heart to coach for a long time before I actually silenced everything that was around me and learned to listen to what was on my heart and lean into that intuition. What recommendations or advice do you have for people who are listening that are thinking, I know I need to improve listening to my intuition, but how do I actually do it? Great question. Before I answer it, I want to jump back up and grab one thing that you said about starting your own company. Congratulations, (laughs) by the way. Woohoo! That the bliss followed you. Let me just be clear. Fliss isn't in workplaces. Like that's not where it lives. It lives everywhere. (laughs) It lives in and through and around us all because as I said, they are the foundational energies of our society. And so I was a professor. I spent 15 years as an ordained minister. I was an executive in international development organizations. And I worked for President Clinton and from religion to government to nonprofits to higher academia and education. The thread that ran through all of those places is this fear, lack of separation. So we take it with us wherever we go. And it is in the processes and the way we do things. And so that's why we will encounter it everywhere. You encounter it in your home. We encounter it in our personal relationships because that is also how we have been trained to behave with each other. So the one thing I want to say before I get to how do I listen to my intuition is we are whole people. We're not Kristen, the professional, and then Kristen, the personal human, which is how Bliss has trained us to believe, right? We're supposed to be two different people, be your professional person, then you go home and you could be your other person. But the reality is we are a whole person. We take all of ourselves with us everywhere we go. And the only thing that's happened to us with that split that we've been taught to try to be the professional and then the personal, the only thing that's happened is that we have restricted ourselves. We've held back from bringing all of who we are to our work. And vice versa, we don't bring all of who we are home either because we don't know how to be integrated people. That is part of the process of love, abundance, and unity is relearning we are whole people And as a result, we need to listen to all of us. So how do we listen to our intuition? Again, one would be to set your intention. And I love that you have a morning routine and a 
I create ritual with and for a lot of my clients to start their days and end their days that help create space. So abundance, an iteration of abundance is spaciousness, allowance, permission. And so if you can allow yourself time, even if you take five minutes in the morning, there's no such thing as the right way to quote unquote meditate. I don't even like to use that word because it's so loaded. But basically, sit, walk, run, whatever. And before you do it, bring awareness to an intention that you have or a question that you're asking or curiosity that you are interested in following. Curiosity is one of the best tools for women, especially to get curious about what your inner knowing is about something. Slow down would be another tool. (laughs) There is plenty of time. There's more than enough time. People, I don't know if you remember even saying this or if you still say it or if you hear others say it, but it's like, I just don't have enough time. I don't have time. There's not enough time. I have way too much. I can't do it all. There's no way. What if the truth was you actually had plenty of time, that we all have the same amount of time? And the question becomes, what are my priorities? What am I committed to? And how then do I use this abundant amount of time that I have to feed what my priorities are? In that, process include a priority is learning how to listen to myself again. The tools from Love Abundance Community are always simple. So I find a lot of tools and a lot of templates that come through coaching and conferences. They're often robust and complicated. And I find that that's the last thing we need when we are committing to trailblazing a new path to profit, right? Or a new path to peacefulness or a new path to purpose. The last thing we need is a lot more quote unquote to do. And so if what I'm saying to you in terms of step one, step two sounds too easy or simple, that's a story. That's a flissy story. Things have to be hard for them to be worthwhile doing. Actually, the opposite is true. So a commitment to ease and grace is also a commitment to learning how to listen to yourself and remind yourself this doesn't have to be hard. I'm going to do this the easy way. I'm going to commit to getting back in touch with my intuition and it's going to be easy and I'm going to enjoy it. And that is a mantra that as you repeat it, you will begin to look for the easy ways. As I have built my company, easy was one of my guiding values, is one of my guiding values. And so if something is hard, and I realize I'm pushing, I'm striving, and it's a hard thing. I realize it, and I'm like, why is it so hard? And then I stop myself, and I say, wait a minute. 
I don't do things that are hard. And so then I ask myself a question, do I have to do this? And if the answer to that question is yes, yes, you have to do this thing. Then the next question I ask is, okay, show me how to do it easily or show me the easy way. And who am I asking to show me that? <laughs> I am engaging the energies of love, abundance, and unity. Like, show me how to do this easily. And I have always, in that moment of asking that question, received an answer. And it has always been easy. I've been like, oh, duh, why didn't I think of it this way? <laughs> because what happens is when we're doing it hard, right? We're like, Ugh. and you can just hear in my body language, probably, you can hear it like this. Ugh. And we close off, we close off creativity, we close off innovation. And so all these other ways that we could be doing something easily, we don't even see because we're like, no, I have to do it like this. I <laughs> definitely fall into that camp where I get a little rigid sometimes. Commitment is a big value for me. And when I commit, I commit and I'm like, I'm going to grit this out. And as I am growing and evolving, I'm starting to learn, Amy Joe, that that's not always the best mentality. It doesn't make me feel the best. I don't show up as the most present in both my professional and my personal life. And you offer two brilliant questions. One, do I have to do this thing? And two, show me how to do it easily to engage love, abundance, and unity. I'm curious, when you ask yourself that first question, do you ever find, Amy Joe, that no, you don't have to do this thing and you give yourself permission to stop the project or pivot? And how do you do that? Yes. When I was starting my business, I had an advisor and he's like, you got to write a business plan and here's a template for you to follow. You have to have these sections to it. <laughs> oh my God, I hated this thing. I pushed and shoved and oh God, it was so hard. And not everyone, but people who I was listening to at the time were saying, yes, you have to do this. You cannot start a business without a business plan. And it has to be in this form, right? I finally got to the point where I was like, Oh, I hate this so hard. It's not joyful to me. It doesn't bring me joy at all. I'm not good at it. I feel bad. And then I asked myself, wait a minute, do you have to do this? The people that I was listening to are telling me I have to do it, but do I really have to do it? And I reflected on that and I decided, no, I don't. I don't have to do it right now. That's what he's telling me to do. And that's great because that's what he knows. But actually, I'm building this business differently than the other ways of doing business. I'm not building a Fliss business. My intention is to build a Lao business. So maybe in a Lao business, you don't have to have a business plan that looks just like that. <laughs> and it was the most freeing feeling. Talk about listening to your own intuition, your body, my body, our bodies are our biggest allies and friends back to the whole person. We've been taught not to trust our body and not to listen. That's part of the intuition is our bodies will give us all kinds of physical signals when things are blissy and when we're in loud. 
And in this case, when I finally listened to myself because my body was screaming at me like I was really unhappy with doing this process, and I finally decided I don't have to do it that way, I felt like a huge weight had just fallen off of me. And I felt like almost giggly, like effervescent. And so one other tool to use to learn how to trust and listen to your own intuition is to get in touch with your body. Bring your awareness to how your body responds and interacts because what she does is she gives us clues. If we have nervous tummies or our heartbeat increases or we get flushed with heat or we have sweaty palms, all of those things are indicators of some type of flissy something that is going on and usually an old story that we keep repeating over and over again. So yeah, that's an answer to the question of have I ever done it? I have and I continue to do it. It's the most amazing thing to give yourself permission to say, I don't have to do it and to say no sometimes, right? Like it's just incredible. Freedom. One of those practices that completely aligns with abundance is that ability to say no, that a different opportunity will come around or a different person will come around. I can start to see how Fliss shows up in so many different areas of our work and of our lives. And Amy Jo, I'm going to pivot for a moment because as we were connecting before we started to record this episode, you shared with me that a lot of your clients are experiencing a pivot and a shift of returning back to work. I'd love to explore what are some of the trends you are seeing with your clients as individuals are coming back to work? Are you seeing teams needing to think through how to bond? How are they introducing new team members that have joined while people have been working from home? How are they making sure they weave their values into their work? So big question. I'm going to let you go and share lots of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Big question. You know, it's funny. I was talking with one of my clients last week and we were celebrating how things were beginning to open up and how at the same time, we were both feeling a little like, oh, I don't know. Do I really know how to do it? We have been locked down for a year and a half. And in addition to a celebration and a feeling of release and joy that we get to go back out there, as it were, there's also a feeling of a little bit of hesitancy, like, like, how is this going to be again? Can I remember how to talk to people? Like my client was actually saying, I felt like I had to relearn that part of my brain. Oh, this is how you do informal conversation with people. And so That is a part of going back to the workplace. In addition to the other items that you mentioned, new people have been added to the team and nobody has met them in person. The trauma that has been experienced over the last year and a half by pretty much everybody at some level and others a greater degree from isolation to actual illness to loss, We've all experienced a lot. And so 
how do we come back together and honor that and also set the vision for where we want to go and how we want to do things in a different way? And you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, a recommitment to diversity and inclusion. And I think at least here in the United States, one of the gifts that has come from the last year and a half is another reminder that we must recommit to the awareness of the racism, sexism that is present in our flissy culture, right? And so a lot of companies have a very bold, loud commitment to do so within their company. And so how do we do that? How do we do diversity and inclusion and really mean it as opposed to having it as a PR piece? And I think when we look at going back to work, my team and I are doing a lot of in-person facilitations now for companies and for individual teams within companies to do this kind of intentional bonding, storytelling, getting to know each other beyond the role, and then also recommitting to their values as a company, as a team within a company. What are your values? And then going further than that and spending focused time understanding, okay, so these are the list of our values. How do they show up? How do we actually use them? Most of the time, companies get these values, have nice sounding phrases that go along with them, and they paint them on the walls and they put them on their web pages and all over, and then they think that they're done. But the reality is that nobody really knows how they show up and how they show up for you might be different than how they show up for me. And so we need to get very clear about the expectations that go along with these values. So if our value is we practice cooperation and collaboration, okay, great. What does that look like when two teams don't want to collaborate? <laughs> how do we use these values in every situation from success and celebration to conflict, performance issues, crisis, and understanding that will allow for clarity. Then once we have clarity of expectations, then we can hold each other accountable, right? We can hold ourselves accountable to it and we can hold each other accountable to it. And this is how we begin to cultivate true diversity and inclusion, because the likelihood is if you're going to be committed to diversity and inclusion, it's going to show up in those values. And it goes beyond just talking about it or having a bunch of videos made for bias training and all those kinds of things. I'm not saying they're not important, but what happens is we make all these videos, people have to watch them. They sit in front of their computer and watch them by themselves. And then they go, check. Okay, great. Everybody's done. But that is only the very beginning step because what we need to do is have this clarity for expectations for how we behave with each other and how can we get curious with each other about 
being a truly diverse team. One of the primary tools that I think is critical for being authentic about creating a truly inclusive, equitable, diverse workplace is that we must create an environment where people get to blow it, make mistakes, say the wrong thing, ask the silly question or the offending question. And where we need training is to learn how do we interact with that in a way that creates dialogue. Okay, you can hear the abundance here, right? That creates dialogue, that creates spaciousness, that invites us to be unified as humans in this, as opposed to separated the stereotypes that we put on each other when we say something unthoughtful or something offending, creating and training so that we move beyond those stereotypes and actually into dialogue with each other where we can hear each other, see each other, respect each other, even if and when we disagree. Because that is also allow reality, right? We are diverse. I always say diversity isn't a choice. It is. We are a diverse humanity. And that is to be celebrated. It is to be respected. And out of that diversity, sure, we're not going to agree all the time. We're not going to like each other all the time. And that's fine. But it doesn't mean we get to disrespect or treat each other badly. Making space for that in a work environment is where I think we'll truly begin to bring genuine equity, inclusion, and diversity. Throughout our conversation today, Amy Jo, I've heard some very consistent themes. The power of space and silence to allow us to listen to our own intuition, to get clear on our expectations. As you were sharing your thoughts on diversity and inclusion, I kept thinking about what are the leader's intentions or expectations, desired outcomes. And it's sounding like there's so much importance centered around curiosity and dialogue, not sameness, but celebrating the differences creating an environment that allows for seeking to understand and curiosity. And then, Amy Jo, all of the insights you shared on how we can move from fear, lack, and separation to love, abundance, and unity will help us all become stronger personally and professionally. So if our listeners want to learn more about you and your work and Pavo Navigation, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to our website, which is www.pavonavigation.com. And if you just want to reach out and contact me directly, amyjo at pavonavigation.com. Amy Jo, thank you so much for your energy and your insight. I feel like there were so many topics that are still left to be explored. So the work you are doing is very, very meaningful and helping create environments and workplaces that are collaborative and moving away from that toxic environment. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been great to be here. And you're right. There's still so much juicy stuff to uncover. Well, with that goal, Achievers, keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identifying your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website to sign up and get connected. We can also connect socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.